At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. And we're rolling in three, two, one. On the show today, I have the one, the only, Sonia Morton Firth. Sonia, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you, Mark, for you know having me as a guest on your show. It's so lovely to be the other side of the mic, the other side of the interview. Um, so yes, thank you so much for asking me to be on your show. Well, it is a privilege and I am so happy to be expanding my UK market. Um, I have had several veterans from the United Kingdom on, including a Welshman who I accidentally called English. Whoopsie. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. I think I might know who that one was as well. That was Sean Molino. And, and yeah, that was Sean. I've, I've interviewed Sean, lovely, lovely guy. But yes, it's a bit like, yeah, you call a Scottish, Welsh, Irishman, uh, English, and oh, they don't like that. No, they don't like that at all. And it's and I knew better is the bad part. I fully knew better. But I did it anyway. But, uh, the UK now is number three of, of 36 countries for listeners. So that's good because... I have a bit of a soft spot for the UK veterans. I've served with them alongside them. I was in a war with some UK veterans. And I know that mental health supports, veteran support in general in the UK is nowhere near what it is in Canada. And it's not perfect here by any stretch. No, our veterans don't get um, anywhere, certainly anywhere near the support of, uh, that they do in the US. And I guess in Canada, and I know in Canada as well, um, which is which is really unfortunate because our 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 guys and girls do an amazing, amazing, amazing job. But yes, you're right, Mark. There isn't enough support. Well, there's still the old British stiff upper lip kind of mentality, and that is still have still has some roots in the culture of veterans affairs for the UK. And I hope that's starting to change. I'm sure it must be. It is in the rest of the world. I, I, I really hope so too. And, you know, a veteran here serves, serves queen and country. Um, so, so, so their boss, their ultimate boss is, is the, is the queen. Uh, so yeah, absolutely it is, but it is still a very, I think, um, I, I, I don't want to say secretive, I don't think secretive is the right word, um, but it's not quite as openly um, embraced as other countries, uh, which I think is, which is awful when you think about, you know, men and women that are stepping forward to serve our country um, and, and, you know, how all the individuals that are, that are here and really putting their life on their li- on the line and, um, you know, that's what started uh, my interest in, in interviewing veterans. And thank you for the perfect segue, because that was my, fir- that was my first big question. Um, tell me more about why veterans for you. You have six or seven different categories for, for your show, which is an excellent show, by the way. The production value is amazing for all my listeners. Please t- 
tune in to the Sonia Morton first show. The links will be in the show notes. But why veterans? <laughs> you, you bet right. you. But why, you know, why, is, why a separate category for veterans for you? So it's, so my show started, the Sonia Morton first show started with the premise of me interviewing um, inspiring, inspiring people. So anybody that was doing something um, above and beyond what I'd like to say in ordinary life, um, which really came from the fact that I used to lead a very ordinary nine to five life. It probably wasn't quite ordinary because I was flying all around the world, but it was quite a predictable. I worked for, uh, in the city and in, in the financial services sector, spent a lot of time in the States and all around Europe traveling, um, basically working for the man. And when I came out, I just thought there was much more to life. And I was drawn and attracted to the personal growth industry. So people that were looking at the mind and, you know, what was what what was the difference between somebody that, that was doing something out of the ordinary and ordinary and really pursuing a life of knowledge, learning and really figuring out how to become more fulfilled. So that's how it sort of started the premise of my show. And the very first person I had on my show it was, it was a guy who gets up on stage. He's, he's a big coach um, here in the UK. Uh, and he was a veteran. Um, but that wasn't sort of the reason why I necessarily got, got him on the show. But his story went back to how he suffered PTSD and how he'd spent the majority of his life, um, you know, looking into uh, what had happened to him, where it all started, and why he had this fascination in helping others with their mindset and their personal growth. Um, and it all was because of what he has, he suffered in the atrocities of war that he saw and went on and, uh, and had PTSD. And that was the Angolan War, which was a tic- particularly bloody war um, that, that took place in Africa um, many, many, many years ago. Um, and after that, um, I had another veteran on and another veteran on. And I wasn't going necessarily looking for those veterans, Mark. I was putting it out there. I was looking for inspirational people. But I was attracting veterans in. And the more and more I heard their stories of um, what they went through um, in battle and not going into any sort of necessarily um, bloody, gory details, but just what they had experienced and then how they had turned their life around And yet they were continuing to serve. And I think this is the part that astounded me and made me really sort of want to help um, the veteran community um, uh, starting here in the UK. Because as we mentioned at the beginning, that unfortunately our veterans don't get a lot of um, support. Um, But really that seeing um, these men and women um, and I'm going to unfortunately I'm going to have to say men because I still haven't had a female veteran from the UK on my show um, but that's going to change very shortly um, and they they've been through um, these atrocities these challenges they've suffered both mentally and physically I've, I've also had veterans that have lost limbs on my show and yet they have this propensity this, this deep um, want to serve again, and I think this has particularly come out right now. In you know, we're all living through this global pandemic, 
Um, the number of recent interviews I've done with veterans that are continuing to serve, continuing to want to help their country or their communities um, really is astounding. And, and that's, that to me is is something that we all need to listen to. We can all learn from that. Sorry, that's a very long-winded way of sort of saying, why do I like, want to shine a light on veterans' stories? But, but it's because I believe they have a message to get out and they have um, overcome so many challenges and adversities. And if we can learn from them, I think we, be, we can become a better society as well. I really like what you're saying about service and the urge to continue service. It is so true. I help run a in-person or used to run an in-person peer support. I'm doing Tango Romeo in, in lieu of that now. It's just easier on me. But a big, big part of transitioning into civilian life that is super difficult is when you lose that sense of purpose, especially when you were part of something really, really big, the big green machine. Once you're out of that, it's tough to find something that can match it. But when you do find something that's a sense of purpose, and it could be something as simple as volunteering at a food bank, but when you find that sense of purpose, uh, that really heals that wound of, of being out. You had a guest on recently talking about that as well. But what have you? What's been your takeaway from veterans? You've talked with. So, have you had any surprises? Have you? Is you? Did you have a preconceived perception of veterans before that has changed over time? I think I did, and you know, Mark, not wanting to say you judge people, I think we all have a preconceived idea of of any different type. You know, any any community. Um, you know, not just veterans, but if I said. Uh, vicars or um, teachers or uh, doctors. I think we all have a stereotype in our head. Um, it's a bit like French people, German people, Americans, English. You, you, you have this stereotype, and you know, and 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 we, we don't want the stereotype. I guess that's that's a judgment call. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm a big believer, and we shouldn't we shouldn't judge. You know, judgment isn't 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 a good thing. Um, but, but yes, uh, getting back to your question, did I have a sort of preconceived idea? Yes, I think I did. I mean, I, I always thought what veterans did was, was admirable and the fact that they stepped forward and, and, and served our country. I always thought that was, that was amazing. Um, but I think there was a, a part of me that probably thought, um, you know, I hope people aren't going to judge me listening to this. I'm, I'm going back to really thinking about how I felt about that or thought about veterans then was potentially there might have been a bit of aggression there, uh, that veterans may have been a, a sort of aggressive. And that, you know, that doesn't bother me because we've all got different traits and I think different, um, different jobs attract different sorts of traits. Um, uh, and, and that's probably what I thought, that there might have been some aggression. Um, uh, I definitely associated it with um, testosterone, masculinity. I guess all of the, those sort of things uh, were, was, were things I, I sort of associated veterans with. Um, what I learned or what I am learning, um, you know, I... I would say is is somewhat 
somewhat different or, or actually just what, and then going back to what you said before is I absolutely agree with what you said about this sense of pur- purpose and identity and all the veterans um, that I've interviewed actually bar none have mentioned that when they've come out to civilian life the first thing that they really struggled with is this sense of purpose this identity because they were in such a a tight-knit um a community i don't know if you call it community the it's it's that that camaraderie of, of your your platoon your you know your your regiment wherever you are and then coming out and being uh basically pushed out into civvy world as, as they as, as veterans call it and and actually not feeling like they are that like they belong like they have a sense of purpose i mean Obviously, that's been taken away from them because they're no longer serving or they're no longer part of the, the army, the forces, or whatever in whatever uh, area they served in. And I guess with that loss of um, that side of things becomes a loss of identity, the sense of purpose. That, and, and, you know, what what is it? I guess the sense of self-worth. Um, and I think... That is where a lot of veterans, unfortunately, can go down the line of um, struggling to fit into, uh, I want to say, normal civilian life. And that whole transition is very difficult. And, you know, I'm going to go back to to support how we support veterans. And, you know, our our government here in England, we we do have a support programme, although I've heard a lot of our veterans say it's not particularly uh, substantial. Uh, You know, there's a a couple of months training, if that, there's a a few things online, and, uh, and then you're out into the big wide world. And a lot of veterans have said, you know, even... Things that that we take as civilians every day for granted, like form filling or you know going and getting a prescription or something very that, that we just do every day, a veteran wouldn't necessarily know how to do that because they've served for potentially from the age of sixteen or later, but they've been entrenched in 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 veteran in uh, in, in the the army and in the forces. So I don't think we do. Um, support our veterans enough in that transition stage um, and that sense of purpose and that sense of belonging um, is, is why I think veterans choose to serve again has that answered your question Mark in a I, bit of a long-winded way I think so I think so now being a life coach have you learned any lessons from the veteran community that you bring to your life coaching um, I think they, I think veterans have taught me a lot, uh, a lot about um, certainly on the mental health side of things um, and understanding a lot of that. Um, but also, if you look at their resilience, the determination, their stamina, and I'm, I'm, I'm really the amount. The resilience I've seen in various different in, in various different guests of mine have ranged from everything between, you know, resilience and getting back up after physical injury and physical things happening, 
to mental things that are happening and then becoming resilient and having to 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 continue to you know not not fight physically but fight mentally and it's the fact that they keep getting up and wanting to serve and um and that really that resilience shows through and you know I'm going to go on and say you know we were talking about the transition back into uh, civilian life and what veterans tend to to go on to is is close protection work um, because that's what they're, they're sort of they're, they've got the military background they, they they can do that however they have got a lot of leadership qualities uh which is what i've seen in terms of um their determination and what the military has taught them so i think the skill set it are is really transferable into civilian world it's just learning how to transfer those skills i guess on the cv into practical ways of, of, of sort of making that transition but yeah certainly in terms of what i've learned i've, I've grown huge I've, I've seen the resilience of men that have gone through massive challenges and adversities seen people you know in that love you know people that have They've known in front of them being blown at all sorts of atrocities, um, and yet they can they continue to go at it. I'm going to cock it up trying to come up with the saying, but uh, there's something that's been ringing in my head listening to you, is you don't know how tough you can be until tough is all you got, something like that. Uh, when being strong is the only thing that is left for you, it's the only thing that you can do, that's when you find out how strong you can actually be. And that's the gift, I think, the, the, the gift that keeps on giving of uh, being in the military, especially in the Army, and especially combat arms. And you, I would you, say you've, what, I mean, you've really, that really, you've test, been... really tested your mettle. Yeah. And is that a strength, and I, a question for you here, is that a strength that you go into the military with, or is it something that you learn when you are in the military? It's something that you develop, and it's a go-no-go, because no go, either you made it or you didn't. Uh, nowadays, in today's military, most people pass the, the battle school, like 80%. But back in my day, <laughs> when we were riding dinosaurs, uh, one-third made it. So two-thirds two would fail. Um, at least fail their first their first attempt, and sometimes they would have a second or even a third attempt before they would make it. But as far as making it on the first go-around, which somehow I did, I don't know how, but I did, um, didn't feel like I was going to make it. That's probably what got me through. <laughs> Every day I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to fail. But I made it anyway. But it was only one-third would pass battle school the first time around. And that's uh, even in basic training, which is – easy by comparison it's simple you'd see people uh, getting recoursed all the time which is okay you're at week six yeah now you're at week two wow and is that mental resilience or is that physical resilience or i i guess it's both because you're you're being put through your physical um paces but there's got to be a mental side to that it's really both for sure um i remember one fella in basic training and within the first week, the anxiety was so bad that his spine actually twisted up. And he was, he was all hunched over. And it was anxiety is what it was. But um, it crippled him. The anxiety was, was so bad, just the transition. And, and that was it. He made a couple of weeks of basic training and he was out. 
and uh, never to come back. He was done. And so if you make it through, it is something that continues to grow, the, the mental resilience of it, through things like 32-kilometer rucksack marches with 80 pounds on your back. You have no choice but to be tough. And, uh, and there's some big, big marches like the SAS do, one that's much bigger than that. And it's sort of their graduation march is my understanding. And if you make it, <laughs> you graduate. But it's um, so mental. It's, it's, it's being able to ignore pain. And, and that's a learned skill, being able to ignore pain extraordinary amounts of pain and just finding a way to dig down and just not quit and that's most of success in in life isn't it if you just don't quit that is a big big piece of success just don't quit i absolutely agree and that just don't quit it's like you you just be you know keep going if you know this this is what something that you want to do or you know back to purpose it's that, you know, it's that resilience, that determination and that, you know, you've, you've just got to get through this. And, you know, we're all going to have challenges and adversities and, you know, look at what we're going through now. Um, but it's that, it's that, it's that mental and physical um, strength to, like you say, just, just not quit, continue. Now, you are a fitness aficionado <laughs> a, a, competitive, a competitive fitness lady uh, tell me what about fitness and mental health for yourself yeah i mean i always have a passion for health and fitness um ever since i was you know i was a student and back in the day it was aerobics don't know if you remember the whole jane fonda that was that was my big thing there and then i got into running and then i started training with a personal trainer um, but I think more recently, over the, the last sort of uh, six years, uh, I, I discovered lifting lifting weights, which uh, for a woman um, isn't as popular as it is for a man. But the benefits um, are absolutely extraordinary, and I, you know, I'm, I'm quite a small a small woman anyway. Uh, a natural born sort of runner that I'm, I'm more that sort of physique, but to lift weights, I just, it, it helped my confidence. It, it just made me feel more, like you say, determined. It was like, well, I'm not, I can't pick it up this week, but if I continue to go, I'm going to be able to pick it up next week or the week after. And it was more that I couldn't do it, the more I wanted to do it. And that was that determination. Uh, and, and I honestly do believe, well, I don't believe, I know there absolutely is a link between mental health and physical health Um, and that doesn't necessarily need to be lifting weights Um, it could be a walk it could be a run it could be it's moving your body in some way if you can move your body in a certain way in some way it will really, really help in terms of mental health. And a lot, again, a lot of the guests on my show, particularly veterans, um, do a lot in, in the continue to exercise um, and maintain physical health as a way of helping them um, coping with maybe their PTSD or mental health issues. Um, I've had a lot of people on my show this year that have suffered mental health. Um, and talk about mental health at the moment, and it is a, a it is a theme that I see 
um, that is is growing more and more. And one of the ways of helping um, any sort of issues, depression, anxiety, stress, is absolutely moving your body, exercising, training, and it it's doing something you love. And I, as I say, it could be a walk. And that's the very first thing I do when I get out of bed is I go for a walk. You know, that's that's the first thing I do. It's absolutely, especially in lockdown at the moment, it's like, I, I, you know, you just need to walk to move and to, yeah, it's a great time to to really think about things, to, to feel like you're out in nature uh, and to be, yeah, at peace. How have the COVID restrictions affected your physical health as far as exercising? Uh, where do I start? So lockdown one, my personal trainer uh, was continuing to train me outside. We were, we were allowed to train outside um, with somebody. And he, uh, he's a great guy. He's got, he, he makes equipment. So he'd made like weights out of some bits of wood and all sorts of different things uh, because actually there was a massive shortage of proper weights because everyone had ordered them. You know, Amazon, everything was, it was going, it was literally really difficult to find exercise equipment to say everyone was ordering it. So I managed to keep up in lockdown one and it was, it was beautiful weather here and we were training outdoors and it was, you know, it was great. It wasn't quite the same as lifting really, really heavy in the gym, but it definitely kept me going. And I was training about five times a week. So that was great. And as the weather has got uh, worse, it has become more difficult because it's quite difficult, you know, unless you're doing some sort of cardiovascular work and keeping warm, uh, you know, lifting weights outside is, is, is a bit more challenging. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, my trainer went back to South Africa. So, yeah, it has been more difficult in lockdown too. Um, and in between the gyms have been open. So that has been the biggest challenge for me. But I did... I did purchase a small set of weights. And in fact, just before I got on this podcast, I did a little bit of a shoulder workout. So I am am definitely still keeping at it. Have you been doing any yoga or body weight exercises? I I haven't. Uh, I I do love yoga, but that I prefer to do in a class. And the classes um, haven't been obviously going because of COVID. And I'm... I find it difficult to do on my own. So unfortunately, I haven't done yoga since last year. I was in Bali. This time last year, I was I was all yoga'd up. I was visualizing my 2020. I was zenning. I was meditating. I was going to yoga three or four times a day. Very spiritual time for me this time last year. Uh, but yes, I haven't done yoga since. I think it's a safe bet to say how you visualized 2020 and how it turned out not the same thing slightly different absolutely Uh, but funny enough mark i did visualize a couple of things uh that have come true uh and the one thing i think i've really taken away from this year is yeah absolutely have a vision i think that is very important to have a vision but just don't get fixated on how you're going to get there because as you say, no one would have envisaged a global pandemic. <laughs> no one would envisage that, that this time last year. So if you're not fixated on the actual outcome and just more go with the flow, 
that's when you're less likely to become anxious and stressed and feel like you're not achieving things. So that was that's the one thing I really learned this year. Don't get fixated on the outcome because who knows when a global pandemic is going to hit. On dealing with the global pandemic, that must be one of the topics with your coaching clients. Um, it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm less. I'm doing less um, coaching clients and more guests now, and it is very much a topic in all my shows. Uh, we talk about the global pandemic and how people are. Uh, struggling through it um what some of the ways around that are and really looking at as as we talked about the mental health issues um not only the mental health well mental health issues are triggered by various different things um obviously you've got the isolation you've got the loss of loved ones um the financial difficulties we're all going through the lack of connection all these things uh, aren't help uh, are really not helping any any sort of mental health issues. So it's really, well, how do we best manage those situations and how do we look at this time and sort of say, well, look, actually, you know what? We all deserve to pat ourselves on the back and think, wow, congratulations. We've got through this year. We've got this far. And that's a tremendous thing. You know, and I think that's so important for everyone out there to realise it's like, now is the time to actually think, look at what you've achieved this year. You've got through this. We've all got through this somehow. And that is an amazing achievement. And I, and I always suggest people write down all their achievements, however small, before they look into the future and start writing their goals and dreams and things and visions for 2021. Just take stock of where you've come, how far you've come through this year. And you might be sitting there and going, what are you talking about, Sonia? It's been an awful year. I haven't been able to do anything. I've been stuck at home, this, this, this. No, you've changed. You've had to change this year. You've grown in some way, and it's just taking stock of that and just spending a little bit of time and thinking, how have I changed? What have I learned from this? And if you really go deep inside, we've all learned, we've all grown from this. There is a concept called embrace the suck. And yeah, it doesn't sound nice, but yeah, it is. and, And it's back to the veterans again, you know, it's back. To, to those people that are fighting, that are the challenges, the adversities, and they're used to doing this. We've all had to face an adversity this year, a challenge this year. Well, it's what makes you stronger. It really is. And yeah. when there is a shared experience of difficulty, that bonds people together. Like the- I love that. I love that. And, and you're absolutely right, Mark. You know, we're all sort of saying, oh, we're lacking connection, but we've got one thing. You know, it's, it's not just here in England. It's not just there in Canada. It's across the world. In fact, I heard the other day on, on, the, on the news that there isn't one country in this on our beautiful planet that hasn't been affected by this pandemic. You know, even the Antarctica have got cases. So, you know, it's, um, it's something that brings us all together. It is a shared experience. And the tougher the experience, the tighter the bond. So who knows, maybe as a global community, this in some bizarre way is actually going to bring us a little bit closer together. I hope so. And I certainly saw that in here in England. We certainly saw that in lockdown one. It really did bring 
um, uh, various different communities together. You know, this might sound strange, Mark, but I, I live in London and, you know, you don't really say hello to your neighbours that often. Everyone's <laughs> so a little bit typically English and it's very cautious and everyone keeps their own business to themselves. But in lockdown one, people were saying hello to each other, in, you know, as passing in the streets, social distancing, of course. We were all clapping the NHS and the amazing work our health system is doing. And um, all the doctors and nurses were, the, were putting themselves on the line um, to, to help those people. But it really did feel like there was a sense of community. You know, you have people going out and shopping for the vulnerable and leaving groceries on, on doorsteps for people that couldn't get out. And, you know, I really, really did feel like there was that sense. And, and unfortunately, I'm going to say this, we didn't have that same feeling in lockdown too. But certainly lockdown one, that, that definitely came about. With all the conversations you've been having of how to deal with it, what are the top three do's and don'ts of dealing with uh, the COVID restrictions? I think top one is get a routine. Um, you know, we're, we're all, most of us are working from home now. Our routine, our old routines are no longer the routine that we'll be used to. So, you know, rather than staying in pajamas all day and watch Netflix, it's, you know, what routine is best going to serve you? Um, you know, I talked about I get up and I, I, I drink a large glass of water and I, and I go for a walk. Um, and I really try and, and be grateful for something, even if it's just three things. What am I grateful for? Um, and, then, and I do exercise. It's really trying to create some sort of routine um, that, that will help you. It's creating little habits. Uh, that will help you with your mindset. I think that's certainly number one. I think number two is, I touched on it before, being grateful for any, the little things. And it's, I think what we've all can be grateful for right now is the beautiful outdoors. And I think we've all taken for granted. I know you love it. I live in Canada and you've got so some beautiful outdoors. But I think, a lot of us were here in the UK uh, around cities, but we were allowed to walk. And, you know, just going outside and looking at the trees, the birds, the, uh, the, the grass, the sky. I mean, I live near uh, water, so looking at the river and just appreciating what we have around us. And, and actually knowing the one good thing about this global pandemic is it's given our planet a chance to, to regenerate and, uh, and actually that is one good thing that's coming. We've got this natural beauty all around us all the time and too many times or most of us are so busy do, 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 doing. We forget to look around us and look at the, the things that are around us and that, that we can be grateful for. So that's another thing, gratitude. So routine, gratitude. Um, and, and I think really trying to stay as connected as you can. And that could be through Zoom. I mean, look, technology has come a long way, but just being connected with loved ones. And I know we can't be connected face-to-face, -face, but it's a phone call, a Zoom, um, somehow letting people know that you love them because I do believe connection is, you know, it's, it's part of our, about, we, we talked about it before, it's, it's fundamental to, to our society. And just letting, letting know your loved ones how much you, you care about them. And not just through a text or a comment on Facebook. Yeah, you know, no, no, no. Everybody has a smartphone nowadays or it's everybody has a, or a laptop. 
use some sort of video function. There's a bazillion apps out there uh, from WhatsApp to you name it. And they all have, if you got the Wi-Fi, you can do a video yeah, call. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, that was so, that was what so, was so lovely on, you know, even Christmas Day, you know, we couldn't be with our families. Um, the situation here in England didn't allow it. Um, and, you know, our my family sort of all over England and actually part of my family's in Singapore. My brother lives out there. So we had all our family on a Zoom. It was great. You know, it was it is really amazing. It's not the same as seeing people face to face, but you know, you just gotta, if, if that's what you get and you can still see them and talk to them and tell them you love them and see their faces. Well, that's amazing. Marco Polo is an app where you, it's kind of like texting only with a video. So it's a video text. So you do your, do your video to whoever do your video message and then they see it when they see it, just like a text. And oh, wow. then they get back to you when they get back to you, just like a text. Uh, Marco Polo. It's a great app. A friend of mine that lives in Texas, that's how we keep in touch. And I'll send him a, probably five to one, me sending him videos. But uh, it it is so great when you receive one of those. A, an actual video message where you hear the voice, you see the face, and um, it doesn't have to interrupt your day. You get to it when you get to it, just like a text. I love that. I've written that down. I might have to, yeah, I'll definitely have to look that one up, Mark. It's yeah. a good one. I enjoy it. But I think we're just about there, Sonia. It's uh, incredibly easy to talk with you. <laughs> we could probably do this all day. Well, Mark, I'm looking forward to repaying the compliments and having you on my show one day well, in I'm the very near future. I mean, I would love it to be, I'd love to meet you in, in person. I think that's going to be a little bit more challenging over the next um, few months. But yeah, absolutely. Look what this technology has taken us. Um, and I've certainly done interviews with people that I would not normally have connected with. Well, we've got to improvise, adapt, and overcome, as we used to say. And that is all we can do. <laughs> we don't really have a choice. Uh, Grumbling is not going to uh, help, but not everybody is as not everybody has the same level of flexibility and adaptability in their life uh, or creativity. But now is the time where you have to. And if you're not the adaptable, creative person, find somebody that is and just do what they do. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Mark. And that was, you know, coming back to my, if you fixate on, on something too much and you, you focus on a very narrow view or a narrow focus on how you're going to get there, you're setting yourself up um, uh, for disappointment. I'm not going to say the word failure. I don't like that. But you can set yourself up to disappointing where if you can just more go with the river and the flow, you know, you'll find a way. The, the You don't need to get fixated on the how, just, just know it's going to happen. And we can't get fixated on the same, because fi uh, no. being fixated on what normal was, yeah, I miss it too, but it's not helping. You know, we, we don't have a time machine and we cannot change. And that's one of those Chinese proverbs, you know, or maybe it's out of the Bible as well. Uh, give us the strength to accept what we cannot change. And we can't change this. The only thing we are in control of is ourselves, how we deal with it. We can't change the, the stimulus, only the reaction. And that we are in control of. Absolutely. And that is the most important thing. You know, we're all going through this. It's how you choose to react to it. Um, and, you know, knowing that a lot of this is out of our control. So just focus on what you can control. And that is your reaction to things like this. 
So absolutely, Mark, that is that is fundamental, your reaction. Well, there's so many positive, constructive ways to spend your time. Uh, my wife and I are using Duolingo. So I'm learning French, she's learning Spanish. And uh, oh, wow. bit by bit, you get there, you know. And uh, about anything that's positive, um, do do. 20 push-ups a day or 250 push-ups a day and do it every day and be consistent with it or chin-ups or whatever but do something and do it consistently and do it every day and the sense of pride that comes with that is fantastic and it's just so good for the mental health so absolutely good. just have something yeah like exactly what you said it's like having a little a little goal a little something that you're focusing in on it doesn't have to be a big thing it just can be a like something small that you know that you're doing every day and you're going to get better and better and better every time and like you say consistency is is the key to it mark and if it's something as simple as just making your bed in the morning it's a start and it's a good yeah. place to start sonia awesome. morton firth thank you so much my friend Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat and thank you for having me on your show. Please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. At Operation Tango Romeo, we are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast.